Howdy do, neighbor. It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. And now, here's the guys. Welcome back to another episode of Berean Spirits on a beautiful, beautiful Thursday fall morning. Before it turns absolutely frigid next week for us, I am not so much looking forward to that, but we'll see how it goes. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ here in Springfield, Missouri. We've got Richard Dodson up in Kearney, Missouri with the Kearney Church of Christ joining us as always, Richard. You doing all right, brother? I didn't know it was supposed to get cold next week. Oh, man. Highs in the 40s, lows in the 20s. We're going to have a hard freeze next week. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all. But okay. You know, it's that time of year. We're going to be in yeah. November, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm moving into November next week. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's supposed to happen. Yeah. Big snowstorm in Colorado this weekend, I think. Uh, in the Denver area they're calling for. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how it gets cold in the winter still. I know. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. I keep waiting for global warming to change that, but it hadn't done it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah there's a waiting long time. There's a, I, you know, I was going to move to Florida, but, uh, I put it off because I thought global warming was going to make a beach out of Missouri. Yeah. You know? There's a post going around showing 1936 and all the the cities in 1936 that have hit 100 and 110 degree temperatures versus 2023. And the 1936 is just covering the United States where it's probably half, if not less than half in 2023. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they're, they're really, yeah, we've really got that climate change going. Yeah, pretty much. Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, you doing okay? I'm good. I'm good. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> yeah, he's after something. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, I think your wife's on the phone, Chris. You think so? Wasn't that, wasn't that your phone ringing? No. The dog barking? No, that's that's a dog barking. <laughs> Go figure. I know. I was kidding. <laughs> I I actually know somebody that kind of complains because her husband has he put a barking dog for the ring on his phone to let him know his wife was calling. And she didn't <laughs> she didn't take she didn't take to that. Yeah, right. I hear you. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Well, let's get into our topic today because we're going to be talking about prosperity preaching, the health and wealth doctrine of so many out there today, and what exactly the Bible teaches and tells us about the, that particular subject. Uh, so that's what we're going to be getting into. Uh, and I, while I think it is rather clear, this particular subject, I think there is actually a few confusing aspects of this uh, that hopefully we can clarify today, uh, because a lot of folks look at uh, what is taking place, and 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 they listen to a lot of these preachers that are out there, you know, that tell you, you know, oh, send us some money, and and you'll be blessed with ten times, a hundred times, uh, 
as much, right? That that if you're a faithful Christian, that everything is going to be great, everything is going to go well, and that that God will bless you abundantly in the things of this life with a better, uh, bigger home, better job, nicer car. All of these things are going to be great and grand uh, if Ooh. you will be faithful. And so that's what we're going to be looking at and talking about today. Um, and, you know, there are certainly, there, there is an aspect of blessings that we will look at uh, today as well. But first and foremost, when it just, when it just comes to the idea of, you know, obeying the gospel and being blessed abundantly physically, you know, the, that's just something the Bible does not tell us is going to happen. It's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. Not that it won't happen, but it's not a, it's not something that God says, this is a result of you obeying the gospel um, outright. Josh, when he, when it comes to this, uh, you know, it, it seems like there are more warnings about trials and tribulations and hardships than anything else when it comes to those who might uh, submit themselves to God. Absolutely. You know, I think about like Matthew chapter six, where Jesus in verses 25 through 34 says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or your body, what you're going to put on or, you know, you know, the, the necessities of life. He says, don't worry so much about those. If you seek first the kingdom of God, uh, all these things will be added to you. That may be where some of the idea comes from. All these things will be added to you. But if you look within the context there, he's not talking about the fancy car and stuff. You know, as Paul says, is it First Timothy 6? With food and clothing, with these you shall be content. That's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 6. With food and clothing, you shall be content. God knows you need those things, and he's going to provide those for you. And we also see warnings very similar or to, as Chris pointed out, like in Matthew 19 with the rich young ruler, um, when he comes to Jesus asking, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He tells them, you know, just keep the commandments. He says, well, which ones? And he lists several of them. By the way, the one he doesn't mention is covetousness. And the young man says, all these I have kept all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? And Jesus says, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Sounds quite the opposite of the health and wealth preaching today, doesn't it? And Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch more. He says, you lay that aside and you come follow me and you're going to get spiritual treasure. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, before where we read that we set our treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Yeah, and it's interesting there in Matthew 19 as well when it comes to that particular uh, account with that rich young ruler. It's not like, well, look, you've got all this stuff. You're already, ble- you're good. Obviously, you're saved, right? I mean, so that that's not the message that Jesus is giving. He's not saying, look at all the abundance that you have, that that's the measure of your faithfulness. Uh, but in fact, he tells that young man to get rid of it all. Um, and then he, you know, he says how difficult it is for those who are uh, rich and, and of wealth to uh, enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so that's not a sign of faithfulness or of blessings 
from God. And so I think that that is a great uh, aspect to illustrate that um you, that that very point. Richard? Uh I think what many people are looking for is an edge that they can use in this world. And uh, because they have hopes and dreams of this world. And, you know, there's been a lot of success with motivational speakers in the business community. I mean, they, uh, you know, the business communities pay a lot of money for people to come in and to uh, uh, basically give their workers like salesmen, people like that, a, a shot in the arm, you know, and, but you, you just goose them up a little bit and it pays, it, you know, they got to pay for that motivational speaker, but you know, the added sales they get from motivating their workers more than pays for the speaker. And I believe what some preachers have done is to look what the business community is doing and look what they're doing uh, with the success of motivational preachers. And they have adapted that into their preaching. And so they've come up with a false doctrine. And and by the way, it is false, uh, the things that these men are are teaching. And um, uh, they're basically telling people a mass amount of people what they want to hear. And what they want to hear is the fact that God is serving them instead of them serving God. And of course, the essence of Christianity is, you know, to to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Uh, You know, I mean, it, it may be that uh, I have to live poor all my life, and, and 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 blessed be the name of the Lord. It may be his will that I be rich in this life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, I live for Christ. I don't live for myself. That's the whole essence of Christianity. I live to serve him. And unfortunately, with prosperity teaching or health and wellness teachings, what people are, are looking toward, as you've explained, is that in return for their service to God, God is going to serve them. And he's going to bless them in how they feel they should be blessed instead of how God feels they should be blessed. Not, you know, like you were saying, I'll let you get into this, but we're not talking at all about. Uh, uh, there's no blessings in Christ. Of course, there's blessings in Christ, and, and we can talk about that. However, <laughs> we don't serve God. Uh, really, we serve God for the hope that we have to be with him in heaven. That's what we're working toward. Everything else, you know, that's on the table. And so, uh, and we have biblical examples of this, but like I said, if it's the will of God for me to live poor and unhealthy in order to serve him, to, to, to be able to fill some function that he wants me to fill, then, then so be it. I live for him. He doesn't, you know, he's already died for me, but I, my purpose now is to live for him. Yeah. You know, the, the, 
the abundance or the lack, you know, the, the fact is he said he would provide our needs, right? And even going back to what Josh was pointing out from Matthew 6, the context there were the necessities of life, right? Even in earlier in that model prayer, give us this day our daily bread, right? So you're talking about the necessities of life, not the abundance of life. Not that, you know, it, well, I guess the point would be, you know, the the abundance or the lack of, right, is not the measure of our faith, right? And that's where people are looking at this. They're looking at the abundance. Isn't that how they were looking at Job going all the way back to in the Old Testament to the book of Job when everything was taken from him? They're like, oh, well, that's because of sin. That's a good point. You know? And and yet Job was extremely still, you know, was faithful to God, and so the the material possessions, the worldliness around us, was not the measure of our faith, and that's what the health and wealth prosperity gospel is all teaching: is that you know trying to say this is the measure of your faith when it, when it's not, it's not at all the measure of our faith. When you look at everything Paul suffered and went through, um, you know we think about Second Corinthians twelve oftentimes, but even in Philippians chapter four, in verses eleven and twelve, he talks about how he has learned to be abased and to abound, to have nothing and to have an abundance. Right. Well, when he had nothing, when he was abased, was he not being faithful to God? And so God wasn't blessing him? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, Paul was thrown in prison, had everything taken away from him. And yet, you know, uh, as you pointed out, his goal was to serve God. And he did that. He did that very thing. He was extremely faithful to God. And God even said, as Paul pointed out in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient. For you. You know, we're told we're going to suffer, right? That we will be persecuted. Just as they persecuted Christ, they will persecute us. And so the the abundance or the amount of worldly blessing is not the measure of our faith. Josh? Exactly. You see that uh, throughout the scriptures. I mean, you see godly people who had a lot. Um, David was exceptionally wealthy. Um, Abraham was exceptionally wealthy. Uh, but that's not the, that wasn't the measure of their faithfulness. I, I, I think about Luke chapter 9. Um, if anybody, <clears throat> if, if this health and wealth and prosperity idea were true, we should have expected Jesus to live the, la- live the life of a extravagant king. You're uh, you're muted there, Chris. But anyway, we still can't hear you. Anyway, while you're figuring that out, you know, Luke, a lavish lifestyle. How's that? What? Whatever. You were anyway, muted. Luke eight verse fifty eight. You know, the man comes to Jesus, says, "I'll follow you wherever you go." And Jesus says, "Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." And Jesus is living a life of, you know. Relative, you might say it's kind of a minimalistic idea. That's a, a, a movement that's kind of gaining some popularity today is the minimalistic idea. You know, learning to have less or live with less, 
have you know only what you need or what you're actually going to use jesus didn't have a lot of extravagance he didn't have some lavish lifestyle he was living with not a whole lot to carry with him but he was going around preaching the gospel of the kingdom and so if if jesus if that were true if god were going to bless people with wealth you would expect jesus to be exceptionally wealthy and he wasn't and i think as he says in chapter 12 just a little bit later with the rich young ruler or are the uh whoever that guy was the rich fool jesus says um in verse 15 watch out and be on guard for every form of greed for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions and again he's not condemning possessions at all but again, as our comment says here, um, Dad's comment here, uh, money is morally neutral, and it's about what our attitude toward it is. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about um, wealth a lot, and you know, one of the things that many people preach is that wealth is evil. The rich people are evil. Well, no, you know, money is amoral. It matters what you're going to do with it. It's like. Uh, a guy has a bunch of bricks doesn't mean he's evil because he has a bunch of bricks. Now, if he starts throwing them at people, then yeah, you know, he, he we could say he's pretty evil. But if he's building houses for people, uh, there's nothing evil about that. And the same thing, same thing is true with money. Uh, you can do evil things with money or you can, as Paul says, give to him who has need. And so there's and certainly nothing inherently wrong with wealth itself. Um, God does allow us to, to be blessed and prosper, uh, but that's not the, the folk that should not be the focus of our life. And I think that's yeah. where we can get into trouble is when we begin to focus on the wealth uh, to the neglect of spiritual things. Yeah. Well, and in, in, in first Timothy chapter six, that that's one of the things that Paul points out there is, first of all, the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. But then he says, you, O man of God, um, you know, uh, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, uh, you know, gentleness, faithfulness. Uh, and so he, he tells him that these are the things you should go after. This is what you should pursue. You know, but flee from the greed and the covetousness uh, of, you know, and that desire to be rich. It is a snare that the devil has set up for you uh, to fall into. And, and yet these prosperity teachers are using that as that trap, right? I mean, just as Paul, by inspiration of King Jesus, says it's a trap, they're using it to trap people uh, and, and doing the bidding of the devil. To, to call them into serving him by seeking after and desiring the, the wealth that is around us. You know, Richard, you did a lesson not long ago about the, the giving and, a, and the widow at the temple who put in her two mites. And Jesus was watching, right? He was paying attention to what was being given. And for what she gave compared to everyone else, in worldly standards, it was it, it was hardly anything, right? But yet Jesus in that very point says she gave more than anyone else, even though 
really the point is they gave of their abundance. She gave of her means, her necessity. Uh, and so it wasn't the abundance that was the measure of, of their faith. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's actually where I was going to go next. You took my thunder. Oh, man. <laughs> that's all right. Well, it sounded better coming out of Chris's mouth. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's go over some of these comments we got. I don't know. Uh, um, which one did you put up, Josh? The first one. Okay. Let's see here. Your dad said, Thomas. I believe one of the biggest problems with the prosperity gospel deals with those who do not receive prosperity. Many believe because of that, God is not with them. And he goes on to say the prosperity of our society has contributed to this mindset as well. And then we got Chris Kramer, Luke 16, 25. That's a good comment. But Abraham said, son, Remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, and now he is comforted and you are tormented. And I think his point is uh, with the rich man and Lazarus is that uh, Lazarus did not receive uh, good things as far as money and stuff in this life, uh, but yet he was found faithful. It wasn't a measure of their faith. Yeah. So, but needless to say, yes, that's a. Uh, that's uh, that's something that uh, it's a false teaching, and people get sucked up into it. And you know, if that's what you're looking for, then you know, again, I mean, I, I guess you're gonna like it. I mean, it's it's because there's preachers out there that's gonna give you what you want, but do you want to serve Christ? And that's really what it comes down to. If you want to serve Christ, then you're going to want to know how to serve Christ. You're going to want to know how to be pleasing to him. And when you study some of these things, there's a lot of passages we brought up uh, in 1 Timothy 6 and Philippians 4 and, and um, talking about being content and not pursuing, you know, wanting money and things of that nature. And of course, Remember what Jesus always said, the greatest among you will be the servant. Um, and and so that's that's the essence of Christianity. And if you know, if you want to serve Jesus Christ, you're gonna want to learn about that because that is foreign to what the world teaches, and that's foreign to what the world wants. But if you're looking for what these uh health and wellness teachers are presenting then you need to ask yourself about your motivation. Why is it, why are you looking for that? Because that seems to go contrary to what's taught in the Bible. It doesn't seem, it does. Yeah, yeah. You know, think about the the seven churches of, of uh, the book of Revelation chapters two and three, and it's either Smyrna or Philadelphia, you know, one of those two congregations where they thought themselves to be poor. And, and God says, but you are rich. Right, I mean, you you were you were rich, but it was rich in Christ. Right, the wealth was in Christ. The treasures were in heaven, as Josh uh, pointed out from uh, Matthew six earlier as well. You know, but but here was a a congregation of God's people that, in essence, had nothing of this world, and yet God says, "But you you are so blessed, right? You you are so rich in Christ, and and uh, because that's a measure of your faithfulness." 
I'm looking right now to see which one that is. I don't think it's I don't think it's either one. But I'm skim reading here. Yeah. So well, those are the two faithful churches. So they would be the ones that would be uh would be rich. I know there was one who thought they were rich, but yet he says, but you are poor because <laughs> they were uh <clears throat> relying upon their wealth. So uh but Smyrna. Smyrna. Is what Padre says. Um anyway. Go for it, Josh. You know, if I could come back to that idea of the giving, you know, that woman gave her might, uh, or two mites, that is. There's, you know, there's really three things that we can do with money. Um, one is we can spend it. And, you know, we have the ability, and I think God allows for us to do that. I mean, there is you know, spending for our necessities, certainly. Um, and, and I think there is a sense in which we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. Uh, Ecclesiastes does say that God has given us the ability to enjoy the fruit of our labor. Now, certainly uh, there's within reason uh, that we, we do that. Um, but then also we can save it. And I think there's some prudence there, saving for a rainy day saving for, you know, later in life when you're unable to work and then we can give. And I think there's a, a heavy emphasis upon giving in the new Testament. For example, in, I referenced this earlier in Ephesians four in verse 28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands. What is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. That's an expectation. You can also find in 1 John chapter 3 and in verse uh, 17, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Again, if we're not, giving to the one who has need he says we don't have the love of god you also have james chapter 2 with that contrast between faith and works to just say to somebody be warmed and filled i hope i hope you get what you need but then you have a pantry full and you're unwilling to to do the slightest thing for them that faith is is dead and so you see that emphasis upon giving in the new testament and, and i think that's kind of contrary to uh, some of the health and wealth teaching the the wealthy uh, what, what they're teaching is god's going to give you you're going to receive god's going to give you all these material blessings you're going to get all this wealth it's me 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 whereas the bible says well how about we care for those around us how about we we look to them in their need I think you see that in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 as, as Paul is urging the Corinthian churches or the church in Corinth uh, to help the needy saints in Jerusalem. And he tells them, you know, the churches in Macedonia, they gave even out of their poverty, even out of their, uh, their deep poverty, 
uh, abounded to the richness of their generosity. They gave even beyond their ability. They gave uh, of their own accord. And of course, uh, throughout that, the remainder of this chapter and into chapter nine, I think this principle that we see is if you have a heart that's willing to give, God's going to ensure that you have something with which to give. But what did they first do before they did that? Gave themselves gave, to the Lord. Gave themselves that's right. To yeah. That's right. That's that's a big part of it. I, I'd kind of like to get into the the health part of this because, and Chris, I'd kind of like for you to relay that event that took place down there uh, a few months ago with uh, I can't remember a guy that got uh, one toe healed or something of that nature, but uh, you know the, the Bible speaks of faithful people who were sick, <laughs> you know, the apostle Paul in Galatians four, he says, you know, that it was because I was ill. I brought you the gospel the first time. And then we read about Epaphroditus in Philippians yeah. chapter two, and how he was sick. And so, you know, <laughs> faithful people get sick, just like, um, those who aren't faithful. And so, you know, you can't look upon somebody's health as a sign of faithfulness either. And I know there's a lot of people who try to, they sell that too. And they say, if you don't get healed, it's because you lack faith. And um, I thought it was funny. Chris, if you can relay that story, it's, it's kind of humorous, but it kind of goes along with, with yeah. this, uh, health and wealth teaching. I mean, I'm trying to remember exactly. I, I remember the the account, but I, you know, I don't want to necessarily get it get it all wrong. That this week of power that was being held by some evangelicals in the area, and someone relayed that they had a toe grow back, that someone had lost a toe, and that you know it 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 grew back during that week. And um, I, you know, I, you know what what is that? Well, that was you all know, that happened. What's that? That was that was all they that was all they could do was get one toe grow back. Yeah, yeah, of that yeah. week. That that was it. That's all that's all they claimed, yeah. you know. But but even at that, I mean, it, you know, what what's the point? What what does that do? do? You know, how does that demonstrate the power of God in um, you know, in providing for or taking care of of his people? When you look at the miracles that took place in in the New Testament, you look at everything that was done, you know that it's just nothing like that, right? I mean, just nothing like that was, you know, was taking place. But even when it comes to the health, as you pointed out, there were those who were sick, those who almost lost their lives, those who did lose their lives, um, and and yet that wasn't a measure of of their faith. That, that had nothing to do with whether or not they were faithful or not. And that's what I find interesting is today we want to look at these things and we forget about James chapter 4, if it be thy will, right? When we pray and when we engage in any activity or anything, uh, you know, remembering that the idea and the thought is, if it be your will. And I think that's sometimes lost, even when it comes to health, when it comes to what is taking place and what is being done in our own lives. Um, you know, because someone doesn't have the same health as as someone else. Um, you know, is God being partial 
Well, he would be, right? He would be partial if he's blessing someone with better health uh, than others based upon their faith. It just it just doesn't work that way. There's a, a the, the preaching is is that you know God wants you to be healed, and of course you know it's your faith that's holding you back. Sometimes that's that's preaching that comes about, but we got to understand why these things took place. And and Hebrews chapter two and three and four is a good passage to go to. Because the writer says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken, spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. And then he goes on, says, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his will. So this was God's way of confirming the message was these healings and things that took place. But the message has been confirmed, and that's what we got to remember. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says it is complete. Um, All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, uh, that complete, thoroughly furnished into all good works. There is no more reason, as Paul told the Galatians, there's no other gospel. Uh, There's no more reason to confirm the message. And so for people to think that there's preachers out there who are going to heal them, uh, what's the purpose? What was the purpose of it in the New Testament? The purpose of it in the New Testament, and Chris, you got a visitor behind you. Yeah. Uh, it looks like the Loch Ness monster with his head popping up out of the lake there. <laughs> but the the purpose of these uh, um, these miracles and signs was to confirm that message, and that message has been confirmed. And so, for these people today to go out and say, you know, God's God's going to heal you, it, it doesn't match the purpose that we see in the New Testament. And of course, their actions, they don't match either because they can't do uh, what uh, they did in the New Testament. And that that's something that I had even happen to me. Um, you know, someone came and I've had, and in fact, it's happened more than more than once, more than twice, where someone comes and says, oh, you know, you know we're going to heal you of your sight. And then when it doesn't work, like, oh, well, you don't have enough faith, right? They, they blame the person, you know, who... Uh, doesn't receive that, you know, for not having enough faith to believe. And what's interesting is even when the apostles failed to cast out a demon uh, and and heal someone, they were wondering why why aren't we doing this? Jesus doesn't blame it on the faith of the one that uh, you know didn't have the demon cast out. He blamed it on the faith of the one trying to perform the miracle, right? He goes, "Oh, you have little faith." Uh, and so it, it's interesting that uh, when it comes to our health, when it comes to our well-being, right, um, it, again, it is not a measure of our faith, and and that's where we run into trouble. We have the standard by which we will be judged, right, and and that is the measure of our faith. Yeah, um, I, I was ahead. talking to you guys last night yeah, before the show about this guy who— uh, I was talking to about that discussion that I had 
And, and this is something that I think goes right in to what we're talking about. Um, he said, and I'm trying to find it here, but basically he said that he thinks a lot of Jesus and Jesus thinks a lot about him. And I wanted to text back to him, how do you know? And, and this kind of gets to the whole crux of the matter is if you are into the health and wellness teachings, how do you know it's right? If, if, how do you know? You're going to have to go, and it's got to be verified. That teaching has to be verified somehow. And if you can't find that teaching in the Bible, then you cannot tell me that it is a godly teaching. How do you know that's right? And so you need to make sure instead of just listening to one of these uh, false teachers, uh, the Joel Olsteins of the world, these kind of guys, you need to open your Bible. Uh, I see him on TV talking to people with their Bibles open. I, I, you know, you need to look at what the Bible actually says, read it, understand it, and, and verify those things. We call this show Berean Spirits for a reason. Acts 17, 11, those in Berea, they verified the teachings of an inspired apostle Paul. And they did that with the scriptures. And they were called noble because of that. If we are going to be anything like the Bereans, then we need to be double-checking teachers who are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. And uh, they may claim to be, but even if they claim to be, we need to be verifying the message with the scriptures to find out those things were so. And if someone wants to look into the scriptures, and you don't have to go very far, uh, you're going to find out that <laughs> that this teaching is not godly, it is man-made, and it is basically created to separate you from your money. That's why it's created. Because that's part of their that's part of their premise. Part of their premise is to uh, uh, if you donate to the work, if you're giving to the work, that's a sign of your faithfulness, and then God is going to richly bless you as well. And Chris, you're muted. You're muted, Chris. Sorry, you got to pay the preacher. <laughs> right, that's right. You I get mean, bad weather. Weather turns cold if you don't pay the preacher. That's right. That's what our father-in-law says. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh, go ahead and jump in. Um, <clears throat> yeah, at the end of the day, I, I don't see any passage that promises good health or wealth uh, to those who obey the gospel. Uh, in, in fact, you know, it just tells us that time and chance are going to happen to all people. Mm -hmm. and and our congregations you know we know of of brethren who who have dealt with drastic illnesses even even in suffering death as a result of their illnesses or or just some tragic accident uh, that takes place you know god never promises good health now i think there could be something to say about you know being good stewards of our body and taking care of ourselves uh, so that we can, you know, have better health. But 
even those who take the very best care of themselves aren't guaranteed you know a, a long prosperous healthy life and, and again that's not really what we're living for anyway um uh, going back to what we mentioned in in mark chapter or matthew chapter 6 you know it, it's a matter of where our treasure is and some people are so concerned with making this life as long and as prosperous as possible and you know having all these you know having good health so that they can live 145 years and 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 having tons of money and at the end of the day you know solomon says you're just going to leave all that behind we're all going to end up in the grave anyway and you're just going to all leave that behind and that's why jesus tells us don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, we've mentioned 1 Timothy chapter 6 where Paul talks about the love of money. He says there in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us all things to enjoy. Command them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. And that's the perspective that Paul is urging us to have, the perspective of a, a good steward of what it is that we have been given. We may be blessed, and in America, we are abundantly blessed. But have the proper perspective. That's not where our focus lies. Our focus lies on eternal life. Yeah. Because and, that's what we're seeking. And and well, that's that's one of the things that I, I wanted to very quickly point out is it, it we're not saying that you will not receive physical blessings. Right. I mean, even even Paul, or rather John, prayed for that in a sense when he prayed in John uh, third John. Verse, you know, the first few verses, may you prosper as your soul prospers, right? And so that I think shows us it's not that we, you know, shouldn't ask for, you know, uh, physical blessings, but that again is not the measure of, of our faith. Even the wicked prosper in this life, even the wicked are blessed with abundance in this life. Um, and so it, it's not that God won't bless. It's just that that's not what he's promised us. Right. And then they get to to be part of government. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but notice, you know, that verse in 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present age to stop being rich because that's anti. Well, no. Hmm. Not to set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't yeah. let that be your focus. That's the point. Yeah. You that, may that, have riches. You may not. Focus on God. Whichever state you're in, focus your heart and life uh, upon God and, and his service. And that's the key. That's the, the true blessing that we shall receive. And, and that's the question I think that everybody has to ask themselves and give an honest answer to. Can Do you believe it's possible to live a rich life without any money. Yes. 
Mm. Uh, yes, yeah. but I mean, there are those who feel like it's impossible without money. And so that answer right there tells me they're putting their faith in money and not in God. And I have seen people who refuse to help other people because they've had money stored up, you know, that they felt like was going to be there for them the rest of their life, you know, to supply their needs for whatever their wants are. And they didn't help other people because they wanted that money there. And they're putting their faith in the money instead of putting their faith in God, which kind of goes back to the widow, widow woman. And the uh, widow. yeah, the little widow. Widow, the widow, widow. <laughs> the little widow, widow. That's hard to say. But well, anyway. Matthew 15, the, the Corbin, right? I mean, they were storing it up and saying, oh, no, we're not going to take care of our parents. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna dedicate this to the temple, for example, right? I mean, they were taking their wealth and not doing what God wanted them to do with it, but they but they had wealth, right? But yeah. they were being unfaithful with it. We got we need to close up here, but yeah. uh, Thomas says, realize as Christians we need the wealthy. They are able to do more where the church is concerned. It can be a blessing when attitudes are as they ought to be. Again, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. You know, the only thing I would the only thing I would say with that is realize as Christians we need God because he can do anything that we need. And uh, if he wants to make people wealthy, then they can contribute by sharing the blessings that God had. And I think that's what Thomas is getting at. But uh yeah, we, we need God is who we need. And that's it. That's all we need is God. We don't need money. We don't need health. All we need is God and uh, everything, you know, we'll end up, we'll all get together in heaven and, and uh, enjoy Life about the, it later. Enjoy the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Josh, last Good thoughts. Day. I mean... <clears throat> These people that are preaching the health and wealth teachings, it's self-serving. Yeah. It is. You know, you look at, uh, I, I'm going to name a name. You look at Joel Osteen. You know, he, he makes, you know, he's probably well over a millionaire. I don't know. Benny how Hinn, money. others like that. Yeah, the people like that. I mean, it, it's self-serving because it's their excuse to be able to live that lavish lifestyle. Look at how I've been blessed by God. You know, God has blessed me. And anyway, you know, the point is we, uh, while it, it's okay uh, to have wealth and, and certainly it's great to have health. Um, let that not be our, our, our greatest focus. Our greatest focus needs to be on eternal life. Absolutely. Seeking the the home, the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Richard? No, I'm good. Folks, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Hopefully, giving you some things to think about, relying upon God over everything else. And you, you may think about, oh, if I had this, if I had that, if my health was better, I would do this. Ask yourself this: What are you doing with what you have? That's what God is interested in. How are you using what you have now? And is it for God and His glory? And if not, why not? 
Why would you expect more from God if you're not even using what you have for Him now? We appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Be sure and stay tuned for next week's program as well. We'll look forward to that. Until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean Spirit. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean Spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at reinspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.